And that's kind of what I want to talk to us about. Because the scripture, the scripture tells us, oh, the depths and the riches and the wisdom and the knowledge of God. I'm reading out of the Amplified on this particular one. Out of Romans 11.33. Oh, the depth of the riches and the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unfathomable, inscrutable, unsearchable are his judgments and his decisions. How untraceable, mysterious, undiscoverable are his ways, his methods, and his paths. Proverbs has a verse of which I will read out of the King James, which I've always enjoyed. It said, it's the glory of God to conceal a thing, but it's the honor of kings to search out a matter. You and I are not only called as priests, we're also called as kings. We're called to search out the deep things of God. We're called to search out what really is his heart. I believe it was John Wesley who said something like this. I want all of Christ as my salvation. I want all the church as my fellowship. And I want all the world as my mission. And I love what it says when we go out the front doors there where it says you're now going into the mission field. I wonder how many of us really realize that when we go out of here. Because sometimes, you know, when we come together like this and enjoy our presence, enjoy just what God is wanting to do when we're together. Many times we have the concept that we've come together for church. But really what we need to understand is we are the church having come together. We're the church as much on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday as we are on Sunday. Even though just because we're not related together or sitting next to each other, enjoying the worship, enjoying what is happening here, doesn't mean that we're not the church. And I think the more that we come aware, become aware of our need to be the church outside of the walls, the greater the glory, the greater the presence is going to be when we come together to celebrate what God has done, what he is doing, President, what we expect him to do next week. That's really what we're here for. That's really why we're here on planet Earth, why we're taking up space, why we're breathing, that we might be a a glory and a praise and a worship and an expression and extension of all that he is and all that he wants to do. Because oftentimes our busyness hinders us from finding the specific purposes of God for our lives. It's time to refocus. Busyness can crowd out what God wants to reveal to us. I've often wondered, what have I missed today that God wanted to speak to me because I wasn't quiet long enough to hear it? I was too busy doing instead of being. And I have to sometimes remind myself that I'm a call to be a human being, not a human doing. But God reveals his purposes to those whose heart is completely his. For those who take the time to wait before him. Some years ago, as I was doing some studying, God was dealing with me on some of these areas. I began to do an in-depth research into the scripture and, and just to see what he had to say about waiting on the Lord. And I discovered that there are eight specific levels of waiting on God. Eight specific levels. And I realized that most Christians never get beyond the third level of actually waiting on the Lord. The eighth level of waiting on the Lord, as we come into that place of absolute connection and union with him, is where God is actually waiting on us, waiting to serve our dreams, waiting to serve our ambition, waiting to serve that which he has put into our heart. And so it's important for us to come to the place where we can just simply learn to hear, learn to respond. I was lying in bed this morning as, I was, as the Lord woke me at the appointed time and 
And I was just lying there and just quieting myself and just meditating and pondering. And, and, and I, I began to hear my heart beat. And I thought, wonder how long it's been since we've been still enough to hear a heartbeat. Because God wants to speak to us. But I've found that he speaks more in a, in a quiet, still voice than he does in that loud, booming, thundering voice. And so I'd like to talk a little bit about that along those lines. And I'd like to read again from the Amplified Bible out of Philippians 3, 10 through 14, on Paul's purpose. And I love, what he's, I love the way the Amplified puts this, because I think this is really something we can focus in on. I'll let you find it, and then I'm going to read it, because I know that there's a lot of verbiage in the Amplified, but it really puts it into focus for us. Paul writes this after having... After having given his credentials, naturally speaking, and, and just historically, and uh, speaking about having been a, 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 a Jew of the stock of Benjamin, all that, and all the things that he could have counted on. But here's what he said. He said in verse 10 and following, he says, my de- For my determined purpose is that I may know him, that I may progressively become, this is Philippians three ten through 14, that I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him, perceiving and recognizing and understanding the wonders of his person more strongly and more clearly, and that I may in some way come to know the power outflowing from his resurrection, which it exerts over believers, and that I may share in his sufferings as uh, to be continually transformed in spirit into his likeness, even to his death in the hope that if possible I may attain to the spiritual and moral resurrection that lifts me out from among the dead, even while in this body. That's a mouthful. He said, it is my determined purpose. My determined purpose. Not that I have attained this ideal or have already been made perfect, but I press on to lay hold of, uh, hold of grasp and make my own that for which Christ Jesus the Messiah has laid hold of me and made me his own. I do not consider, brethren, that I have captured and made it my own yet, but one thing I do, it is my one aspiration, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the supreme and the heavenly prize to which God in Christ Jesus is calling us upward. Whoa, he says, why, this is my, he says, this is my determined purpose to know him. My determined purpose, he said, this is, it's not only that, he said, I'm straining forward. He said, it's my one aspiration, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what's before us. There's a lot of things that we need to choose to leave behind. There's a lot of things that we can, that we need to make a choice and either we can live in the past, which doesn't belong to us, or we can say, God, I'm going to let the past go. And as we've already heard this morning, how they wiped the slate clean and the Lord stood there and said, I am. Let the slate be wiped clean of all that's been in the past, all the busyness, all the questions, all the things that have torn and pulled and grasped at our spirit and grasped at our spiritual life. Let it be washed aside. Let it be washed and put behind us. And let's be one have one determination what, that I may press forward, that I may obtain unto that for which I have been apprehended. A fiery preacher of former generations, Billy Sunday, said this, More men fail through lack of purpose 
Then lack of talent. Think about that. Then there's the sign that was on the shop that closed. It said, gone out of business. Didn't know what our business was. Gone out of business. Didn't know what our business was. I wonder how many of us know what our business is this morning. Or perhaps you like I was about ready to sign out, hang a sign out front because I had forgotten what my business was. Because I had gotten too busy with busyness than to really understand and remember what my business on this planet is. It's to be his representative to this generation. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And to come together in the morning like this and come together on a weekend, whenever our time is of coming together and celebrate what God is doing, what he has done and what he yet will do because of his love for us. A love song that never ceases, a love song that will never grow old. I often think of the Song of Songs, where I guess I've never really done any ministering from the Song of Songs, but it starts out, and it says the Song of Songs, you could say it's the messages of all messages. I believe that some of the last and most glorious revelations of the bride and the bridegroom are going to be found in that particular little, little book. And it says, let him kiss me. He says, oh, I'm black, I'm comely. It says, let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. Lots of kisses. There's kisses of betrayal. There's kisses of deceit. There's kisses of lust. But he said, let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. That's what is preserved or should be for that special one that you're preparing to come into absolute and complete union with. Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. Where is he whom my soul loves? Were you raised under the apple tree where he puts his flock at noon? Oh, yeah. But in order for us to have a purpose, we need to understand what our cause is. A cause takes on, when a cause takes on meaning, what do I mean by cause? I mean, what is it that I'm focused on? What is it that captivates my attention that I'm willing to put some energy into? When that cause comes and begins to take on meaning, now I can have a purpose. And when I give myself to purpose, I now have a pursuit. And that pursuit begins to express what my true passion is. I remember when I started pursuing Marty. It's a lot of years ago. A lot of years ago. She was a challenge to pursue. (sighs) She's still a challenge. (laughs) There was a pursuit that took place because I set my affection on something that I wasn't going to live without. I had a cause. And it began to take on shape, began to have meaning. And I began to think, you know, I don't really want to live my life alone. Even though when I was a little younger, I had vowed to be a bachelor till I was at least 30. But I had a pursuit, I had a vision, I had a purpose, I had a desire that was there. And I began to pursue that desire. And I, I pursued it to the point where, I'll have to be honest with you, there were some other suitors that were around as well. And I said, okay, guys, there's a little dirt road out of town here. I'll meet you there. So my buddy and I met... The two suitors, when they brought two guys, so there was two against four. But guess who won? 
Because I had a passion that had a meaning that I was going after. I hear the Lord saying to us this morning, Will you pursue me? It is time, he says, to pursue me. Now, instead of all other things, it's time to put those things behind us, to wipe the board clear and only say, I am. That's there. I am that I am. Now, how are we going to do that? Well, we might, first of all, need to reorder our private world a little bit and come back into the discipline of simplicity. Some years ago, the Lord revealed to me what the definition of simplicity is. Simplicity is having resource in yourself out of, that works out of our relationship with the Father. Let me demonstrate that for you. Let me illustrate it for you with Jesus. I think one of the greatest illustrations of that is when there were 5,000 men before him and plus the women and the children, they were listening eagerly to what he had to say and they were hungry. They were there for a while. He was not just preaching sermonettes for Christianettes. I mean, he was there hour after hour and he was laying out the principles of truth and God and the people were getting hungry just like you and I do and, and they, they were wanting to find out how he was going to feed all these people and all they had was a couple of fish and a couple of pieces of bread. And you know what Jesus did? He reached into his spirit and he drew out of his spirit what was needed to fill and feed that entire crowd. He bypassed the farmer. He bypassed the reaper. He bypassed the thresher. He bypassed the merchant. He bypassed the baker. He bypassed the salesman. And out of his being, he simply brought forth bread and fish to feed that entire multitude. That's simplicity. That's simplicity. Well, you don't need what's outside of you. But because of your relationship with Jesus Christ, you can reach into your spirit and draw out of your spirit what's needed for the moment. That's simplicity. That's simplicity. But we have, listen what the scripture says. I'm going to read this. I'm going to read this verse out of the today's English version. It says, Ecclesiastes 7.29. Good. God made us plain and simple, but we have made ourselves very complicated. Isn't that a good word? I'm going to, I'll read it again. This is Ecclesiastes 7.29. Today's English version says, God made us plain and simple, but we have made ourselves very complicated. The simplicity of Christ. Well, Paul put it this way. Actually, he said it this way to the Corinthians. He says, I am afraid. This is out of the New American Standard. He says, I am afraid lest as the, as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your mind should be led astray from the simplicity and the purity of devotion to Christ. The tyranny of the urgent. Schedules, meetings, phone calls, needs. Pull us away from the simplicity. And yet I wonder how much more we could accomplish of eternal value. If we could return back to the simplicity of saying, oh God, oh God, you are my maker. 
You are my Lord. You are my provider. And I do not know how to go to the left or to the right. I do not know how to go in and out before your people unless you direct me, unless you lead me, unless you instruct me. Oh, I want to get... I've been in that place, but I got away from it. I want to get back to that place again. I want to get back to the place of reordering and rearranging some, some priorities and things in my life so I can get back to simply knowing that I'm a child of the living God, that I'm here for one purpose, and that purpose is to reveal who Jesus Christ is in this generation, and that becomes my passion where I'll pursue it because I've got a purpose in my life because there's a cause that's taken on meaning. Come on, give the Lord a hand. That's what we're here for this morning. That's why we're here. That's why we need to wipe the slate clean and just let I am on that slate. It doesn't matter what it is that comes up. I am. It doesn't matter what the needs are or what the problems are. I am. It doesn't matter where we're going. I am. It doesn't matter where we've been. I am. Come on. Simplicity. Drawing it out of our spirit what we need for the moment. Now, the only way we're going to be able to do that is if we've, the second area, we've learned to be still and come under the discipline of silence. We're a generation that needs noise. Noise. We need to turn off restlessness. Noise, words, relentless activities. You know why? Because these dull our senses and close our ears to the still small voice of, of the Lord. And they make us numb to the touch of our God. Come on. Crowds, clamor, confusion, noise, all siphon off our energy. To where we're just a shell of who God wants us to be. Dull. And I said, God, something's got to change. Oh, I can still function. I can draw on a lot of years of resource. A lot of years of resource. I've been standing behind the pulpit like this since October 1967. You do the math. I can draw from a lot of resource for a lot of years. But I said, God, I don't want to run on resource. I want to run on present energy. I want to be in relationship with you in the simplicity that is mine, heritage, that is my right to be here, that I can demonstrate who you are. And so listen to what he says. Psalm 46 says, be still and know that I am God. The NIV puts it this way in Isaiah 30, verse 15. This is what the sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel says. In repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. But you would have none of it. Oh, you would have none of it. How long has it been since we've been still long enough that we can actually hear our heart beat? Many years ago, the Lord taught me how to get into his presence. And as part of what spurred and spawned the word on waiting on the Lord, I 
I learned the Lord taught me that if I wanted to get into his presence, I get into his presence very, very quickly. I don't try to work up through the clamor and things of the brain and the mind and all those things. I simply allow myself to drop into my spirit in the quietness of that pool of life that's inside. But so many times we have all the clamors of advertisements who buy me, you need me, you need me, you need this, you need something else. The clamor of the crowd, the clamor of the necessity, the tyranny of the urgent, and all those things pressing us through, demanding our attention, demanding that we keep focusing outside and not taking the time to come into that quiet place within and say, oh, dear Jesus, it's so good to again sit at your feet and hear not only my heartbeat, but also yours. To be there. Learn to be still. Learn to be still. Turn off the TV. Turn off the radio. Turn off all the noise. And learn to be still. Oh, there's a place for that. There's a time for that. There's a time for exuberant worship. There's a time for soaking. There's a time for all those things. But also, let's make time for stillness, quietness where we can truly hear the most gentle nudge of the Spirit prompting us, urging us, guiding us. Let him kiss me with the kisses of his lips. But to get there, we need to cultivate an inner peace and exercise the discipline of solitude. In other words, Not be afraid to be alone. Not to be afraid to be quiet. Not to be afraid to step out of the crowd. I'm sure you know the prayer that is called the serenity prayer. I have it hanging over my desk in my office at home. God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. The courage to change the things I can. And the wisdom to know the difference. God, give us wisdom to understand those things which we can change. And give us the wisdom and the understanding of those things we can't change. And let us be at peace in both camps. Let us be at peace. Let us learn to live in peace. Let us learn to be in that place where whatever is going on outside of us does not ruffle the quiet pool that's in our inner being and that inner spirit. So that when we need solitude, when we need solace, when we need a place of quietness, we can immediately go back into that quiet place and there commune with our heavenly bridegroom. It's time to wipe the slate clean Light the slate clean and let's go forward. Let's go forward. Let's go forward. There's nothing behind us that really should attract us. We should go forward. Go forward. God didn't give us eyes in the back of our head so we could keep looking backward. He gave us eyes in the front of our head. So we can see where we're going. Come on. So stop walking backwards. To look where you've been. Psalm 139 says. Psalm 139 says this. 
I'll pick it up. Verse 23 and 4 says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties. And see if there be any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. 2 Corinthians puts it this way. Examine yourselves. 2 Corinthians 13, 5. Examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Sometimes we just simply need to stop and examine ourselves as God. I need to take some stock here. You ladies and homemakers know this. Every once in a while you have to open your cupboard doors and say, Okay, I need to make a grocery list. I need to, know, I need to see what I need. I can see what I still have. I need to make some changes here. This is what I need because I'm preparing for what's ahead of me. That's what we need to do in the spirit too. We need to kind of open our cupboards. We need to examine ourselves. I'm not to get introspective, not to be navel gazers, but just simply before the Lord say, God, I open myself up. I want to see what you see. I want you to put your finger on what needs me, but have your finger put on it that I might let go over that I might choose to let it be behind me that I might wipe the slate clean with you praise God and I am is there hallelujah it's time to take it's time to take stock it's time for us to draw aside it's time to pull back from the busyness it's time for us to get refocused in fact I want you to turn with me if you would to the gospel of Mark chapter 6 Jesus was at one of the high points of his ministry And he said, this is right before the feeding of the 5,000. And he said, the disciples had come back and had had a successful campaign. And the apostles gathered to Jesus in verse 30 and told him all the things, both what they had done and what they had taught. They had been busy. And he said to them, Come aside by yourselves to a deserted place and rest a while. For there were many coming and going, and they did not even have time to eat. And so they departed to a deserted place in the boat by themselves. But here's Jesus with his twelve. And he said, you guys have had a great campaign. It's been wonderful. But now let's come apart before we come apart. Let's come apart. Let's come aside. Let's draw aside. Let's get recouped. Let's get refreshed. Let's get refocused. Let's get revitalized. Another place he says, don't rejoice because the demons are subject to you. Don't rejoice because in my name you cast them out and heal the sick. Rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Get back to the basis. Get back to the simplicity. Lord, I'm your son. Lord, I'm your daughter. Thank you, Lord, that you love me. Thank you that you care for me. Thank you that you have died for me and that you have a purpose and a plan in my life. That brings us to the fourth area where we need to simply trust the Lord completely and embrace the discipline of surrender. I'm an American by birth. I'm also Canadian, thank you very much. But one thing that is not in, it's probably in less Americans' vocabulary than it is in Canadian vocabulary is I surrender. There's a mindset that is birthed within us. You don't surrender. You look danger, you look problems, you look evil, you look whatever in the face. And you're willing to take it on. And so we have to go against what is our natural, our, our natural inclination 
to really come to the place where we simply trust the Lord entirely and we embrace the discipline of surrender. God, I've had it. I threw in the white, I threw in the white flag these last two weeks. I said, I surrender. I'm tired. I'm done. I want to get back to simplicity. I want to get back to that still, small voice. I want to get back to that refreshing time. I want to get back to that moment, those moments when I hear my heart beat. Those moments where I can also hear the beating of his heart. And so here's what he says. Trust the Lord with all your heart. This is Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. And lean not on your own understanding, for in all your ways acknowledge him. And what? He will direct your paths. He will direct your paths. Psalm 37 puts it this way. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him, and he will bring it to pass. You know, sometimes God does things in spite of us. But I'll tell you what his heart's desire is. He wants to do things because of us. But all too many times, you know, we go blindly. We're stumbling along through life. And and we look back and say, boy, the Lord was leading there. The Lord was leading over there. But wouldn't it be so much better if we took the time to be silent, took the time to rearrange our priorities, took the time really to get refocused, took the time where we say, I know the Lord is ordering my steps because he's laying it out step by step by step by step before me. And there's not a person here under the sound of my voice that doesn't have the privilege, doesn't have the honor, and doesn't have the opportunity to have that kind of leading in our personal lives. If we'll simply give him the time, if we'll give him the opportunity if we'll learn to be quiet, if we'll learn to get back into simplicity and draw out of our spirit what we need for the moments before us. It's time to realign our sights. I'm encouraged and I'm anticipating what God can do with a group of people who have learned what not to do. Well, let me talk about a few things that we need to surrender, perhaps. Our rights. Many years ago, the Lord spoke to my heart in a situation that was very adverse. And when I was right in a, in a circumstance, and I was accused of lots of things, and the Lord spoke in the quietness of my spirit, and he says, you don't have the right to be right or the right to be wrong, but you have the privilege of hearing my voice. You and I have the privilege of being able to hear the voice of the Lord if we're quiet enough, long enough to hear it. How many times have we moved on momentum? How many times have I moved on my own steam? How many times have I moved on my own wisdom? And so we need to lay aside even our right to be right. We need need to surrender our future to him. Because I suspect that that his plans for my future and for yours is a lot brighter than our own plans are for our future. I suspect that he has a greater plan for us as a church family than what you and I could even imagine that we might have. Why? Because he sees the end from the beginning, and what he is showing us is based out of his love. 
What we might see is based out of our need or our own ability or intellect. But what he sees and shows to us is based out of his love because he sees the end from the beginning. And he wants you and me to be a part of the end of the matter. He wants us to be part of the solution, not the problem. He wants us to be a part of, the, the, of those who take the highest mountain like Caleb of old. He said, give me that yonder mountain over there. I don't want just the plain. I want the top of the mountain. Come on. Let's go for the top of the mountain. Let's not settle for the valley. Let's not settle for halfway up the mountain. Let's go for the top of the mountain. I believe we have the opportunity. I believe we're in the right time. I believe God is opening up the vision. God is opening up the word. He's opening up revelation and truth because it's the hour for it. God wants us to climb the mountain. He wants to get to the top of the mountain and not stop somewhere along the way. Can you say amen? But in order to do that, we may need to rearrange some priorities. Rearrange the way we use our leisure time. It means we may need to surrender our own will in a matter. We might even need to surrender our spouse and say, Lord, she's yours or he's yours. How about our finances? Our children. Surrendering our children can be a hard one. We taught our six children to be leaders and think for themselves. Not go along with the crowd. As anybody can go along with the crowd. But take some of some strength and internal fortitude to go against the current. And then when they grew up and they started doing that, I said, wait, wait, wait a minute. Now, what are you doing? He said, well, Dad, you taught us to think for ourselves. You taught us to do, not go with the crowd. And when they made choices that were not according to the way I trained them or Marty and I trained them, it was hard to say, God, they're yours. They were yours before they were, before they were ours and commit them there. I mentioned briefly finances. Let's make him the Lord of our finances. Let's surrender our ability to maintain or to order or in some way store up our own finances. Because I do believe he wants us to be the head and not the tail. Not so we can amass more, but so that we might be a blessing to more. It's time to surrender everything that we ourselves have produced with our own efforts and our own abilities. It's time to take stock. It's time to take stock. Very quickly, I'll just, I'll just quickly look at, this, at these four points that I've covered here and then close it up. If we're truly going to have a passion in which we are pursuing a purpose that has taken on meaning, it's because we have a cause. We have a reason. We see something. We have a focus. We see where we're going. We understand where we're going. And so in order for us to get back or perhaps stay on track, whatever it might be for your circumstance, we need to reorder our private world and come into the discipline of simplicity. We need to learn to be still and come into the discipline of silence. Where silence doesn't scare us. Silence can be scary. In fact, I've often said to people, the reason that we always want noise around us is because we want to drown out what God might want to tell us. In order to learn to be still, we need to cultivate an inner peace and embrace the discipline of being alone, solitude. We need to just embrace the discipline and say, you know, I'm not afraid to be alone. I'm not afraid to just be in that quiet place. I don't have to have something going on around me. I'm perfectly content to be in your presence, Lord. And when we come into that place, then we're going to to be able to trust the Lord completely. And we can truly embrace the discipline of surrender. Because I can assure you this morning that the Lord can take a whole lot better care of the things that we entrust to him than what we can ourselves. 
I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to read this out of Philippians again, out of the Amplified, just to kind of set this as the anchor to what we've said this morning. Out again, out of Philippians 3, 10 to 14, Philipp, uh, Paul says this, For my determined purpose is that I may know him, that I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him, perceiving and recognizing and understanding the wonders of his person more strongly and more clearly, and that I may in some way come to know the power outflowing from his resurrection, which it exhorts over believers, and that I may so share his sufferings as to be continually transformed in spirit and into his likeness, even to his death, in the hope that if possible, I may attain to the spiritual and moral resurrection that lifts me out from among the dead, even while in the body. Can we agree together we want to make that our one determined purpose? Can we agree together that as a church family, as individuals, as in our homes, as a church, we're making it one determined purpose. I want to know him. I want to grow in that knowledge. I want to grow in that understanding. I want to put the past behind us. I want to truly embrace the, 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 the whiteboard that's been wiped clean and see I am there. So regardless of what we're facing today, let him hear, let, let you allow yourself to hear him say, I am. When you don't know which way to turn, let him let, listen to him say to you out of your spirit, I am. When you have a need in your life, regardless whether it's health or finances or whatever else, let him hear you say, let, let him hear, let you hear him say, I am. Not that I have now attained this ideal or I've already been made perfect, but I press on to lay hold of and grasp and make my own that for which Christ Jesus, the Messiah, has laid hold of me and made me his own. Oh, if we would just ponder on that. What the Lord Jesus did when he also, when he stepped out from behind the veil and he limited himself as a man, laid aside his divine privilege wiped the slate of that which was passed behind, went down to the river Jordan, was baptized as an outward expression that he was now turning his back and leaving all that behind that he might fully embrace that as the son of man, that he might demonstrate for time and eternity what God's intention was for Adam, what God's intention is for you, for John, for Mike, for Sarah, for whatever your name might be here this morning, for Eli, whatever our name is on his purposes for us is that we might walk victoriously in spite of all the things that the enemy can throw against us, in spite of all the, all the things that he wants to us, uh, affront us with, in spite of saying it can't be done, you can't do it, you can't go any farther, you can't move forward, but you turn around and say, I am, says I can. I do not consider, brethren, that I have captured and made it my own yet, but one thing I do, it is my one aspiration, forgetting what lies behind and straining Straining. That means you got to push against the opposition that might be straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal. What goal? To win the supreme and the heavenly prize to which God in Christ Jesus is calling us upward. Are you feeling an upward call this morning? I'm feeling an upward call. Oh yeah, we'll rearrange some priorities and we'll rearrange some things but it's for one determination that we may know him who has called us who has called us to know him and so what i'd like to do for you do this morning is i like for you to stand
And I'd just like to pray a prayer over you this morning. And if the Lord touched you in any way with a word that was shared, I, and so I just want to pray. I just want to pray over you. I just want to pray a prayer over you. Just so I'd just like for you to lift your hands. Just lift your hands. And just let's just quiet ourselves for just a moment. And I will invite you, Holy Spirit, to speak to our hearts right now. In those areas where we need to rearrange our priorities. In those areas where we need to learn to be silent. Yes, Lord. In those areas where we need to learn to just come into a place of trusting you. And into a place of full commitment of understanding that you alone order our steps aright. Father, you're hearing the heart's cries. You're hearing what is coming up from this congregation. You're hearing what's coming up from the hearts of those who have their hands raised up. And Lord, I know that it's time for us to have the slates wiped clean and just have written in bold letters across it, I am. I am. And so, Lord, I will release that. Just as you have refreshed me and Marty and my and our spirit, Father, in Jesus' name, I release that release over the congregation. And I say, wipe it. Wipe it. Wipe it clean, Lord. And let there be a stirring within. Lord, give us the grace. Give us the mercy. Give us the heart. Give us the determination that we might have one determination, one single aspiration, and that is to know you in whom we have believed, to know you the way that you know us, that we might say in every circumstance, Lord, in every everything that would come against us, everything that would have got to come to confound us, we would say, I am has sent me. I am has gone before me. I am has come behind me. I am is my covering. I am is my provision. So, Lord, release it for him now. Release it in Jesus' name and let it settle into the hearts and bring peace where there's been anxiety. Bring hope where there's been despair. Bring clarity where there's been cloudiness. Bring peace where there's been restlessness. Bring quietness where there's been noise. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Bring trust. Where there has been unbelief. Bring faith and hope where there's been discouragement. Do it, Father. We're your kids. And you've already paid the price for it. And so we reach up now by faith and we receive it and we bring it into our hearts. We embrace it, Lord, into our hearts. Put your hand over your heart. Father, I receive, I receive, I receive, I receive. God bless you. Thank you for listening to this podcast. I hope you enjoyed it and that it was a blessing to you. Uh, I'd encourage you to come back and uh, watch for others as we are continuing to put more podcasts up all the time. Uh, If it was meaningful to you and uh, as a blessing, I would encourage you to go to my website, lmrministries.com, and uh, just how about buying me a coffee or even better, a vanilla latte. Just hit the donate button and uh, put in a couple bucks for a coffee and let me know that you appreciate these uh, messages and uh, podcasts that I'm putting up there. And I trust that they'll continue to strengthen you and bless you and encourage you 
in your walk with the Lord. Again, thank you and have a wonderful day.